Hey, it's Joe Trippy. Welcome back to That Trippy Show. Thanks for listening. Uh, let's see if I can get through this entire intro without Donald Trump interrupting me. Uh, would you just shut please, up? Please continue to rate. Please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Please continue to rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, shows that get more reviews get more attention. Uh, it helps people find us and game the system to get more listeners and sponsors, hopefully, at some point. Although we've had one. Alex, we're 32 days away from Election Day. I have a feeling I know how you want to start this one off. Oh, yeah. Uh, so not sure if you've heard Debate Tuesday night. And honestly, I, I reviews were awesome. Stuff like Dumpster Fire, Shit Show, which Dana Bash said on CNN. It was great. Yeah, look, I, I don't actually think that Biden did that well. Uh he, he didn't really explain his health care position as well as he could have in a way, I think, that uh, uh, that he's done so many times before. But I think, again, with all the 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 interruptions from Trump, uh, you know, he did as well as he could probably in, in that situation. But look, you know, it's exactly what I thought was going to happen. I've said that the contrast between the two has always been chaos versus community or chaos versus calm leadership. Um I thought that that contrast would be in full view and therefore that Biden would win the debate no matter what, because that would be the, the contrast that would be so clear to people. What I didn't see coming was that Biden would have so little time to like three or four times where he could look straight into the camera and be be the calm leader because Donald Trump was going to dominate, you know, 88 minutes of that debate with nothing but pure chaos. Um, so the, the contrast wasn't as clear, but the chaos was was pretty, you know, was dominant. And uh, and I think, you know, Trump, you know, everybody doesn't need me to add on to he really hurt himself. But, you know, the one thing I'd say is if you were watching that debate and think about it, I don't care if you're a Trump supporter, an independent, somebody's undecided um, uh, or, or had gone in thinking I'm voting for uh, Joe Biden for sure. But at the end of that debate, I don't know how if you were sitting there saying I can't take one more minute of this debate chaos that I'm watching and I, I can't watch another minute of this Trump chaos. then you got to ask yourself, well, how about another four years of it? And how so I don't think anybody that he sort of pushed to that moment, and I think almost everybody was there by the end of the debate, um, has got to be those undecideds have got to be sitting there. If they lasted that long through or they turned off the TV at some point, 55 minutes in because they couldn't take the chaotic noise of this man, um, it's a stark reminder for them of what that's gonna be like for another four years. So I think that's it. I think he just he just shut the door on himself. There's maybe, I, you know, he was no way he was gonna walk into that debate being presidential, he's not capable of it. But, but I think that just really slammed the door shut for a lot of people that he may have had some ability to move over. It kind of felt like both candidates missed some pretty easy layups and got kind of dragged down fast. I mean, it would have been real easy for Trump to say, of course, I follow, follow along the condemn white supremacy line and say, yeah, of course. But he went into the Proud Boys stuff and that was a whole story. I mean, it, it was not good. Well, he said, sure. He said, sure, he would. And then he, he wouldn't do it. He just wouldn't do it no matter how many times uh, Wallace or, or Biden said, OK, OK, say it. He, he couldn't. 
uh, he still can't. Uh, today he kept saying, yeah, I, I'm against all that. He didn't say I'm against white supremacists. He just said, I'm against all that. He can't say the words even. So, um, uh, you know, I just think, uh, uh, yeah, he, he did. Again, I think uh, Ron Brownstein on Twitter had a, a pretty good thread on uh, how Biden could have done a lot better explaining um, health care uh, and his proposals the entire time he tried he was being interrupted constantly and that, that you know, that'll take anybody uh, off their train of thought. But I thought, I mean, so in the end, look, uh, Biden wasn't as strong as he could have been. Um, and I think, that, you know, that's something uh, to keep in mind as we go through the, the remainder of these debates. But the same, you know, Donald Trump's going to show up um, and he's going to be this, you know, again, keep reminding people. I don't even know if people will watch. People keep saying, well, will there be more debates? I'm pretty sure there's going to be more debates. I'm pretty sure Joe Biden's going to show up and so will Trump. I, will the American people show up to watch it again? I don't I don't know. You know, uh, Mark Melman wrote a, a, a column <laughs> that, uh, that, I, that I loved uh, a day or two ago. I think it was in The Hill talking about how, uh, it, you know, really looking at the sort of the history of debates, polling afterwards, and, you know, concluded that debates don't really, they, they, they do have some effect, but not much impact and they don't really matter. And I really wish he had re- I'd read the thing before the debate so I didn't have to watch it. And now people have watched it. Will they watch another one? I, I don't really, even the diehards, why would you do it? I, if, I'm not if going Trump's to. Gonna, it's, yeah, it's, it's our a job, right? Time. But yeah, 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 we have to. But I mean, he's the other thing for Trump is he's got two weeks before the next one. Obviously, we got the Veep debate next week, which I think I'm actually looking forward to that one. I know you are too. But he's got two weeks to figure out what the hell he's going to do. And I think the next one's a town hall, right? Yeah, it's a town hall. That'll be different because, uh, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether Trump is willing to run over a, a, a grandmother or bully uh the the blue collar worker it's different interrupting biden and and chris wallace um it's going to be different when it's a citizen a voter who's asking that question um or if the voter's asking biden a question and trump interrupts i mean that's just a different dynamic i but i still think he will because he's incapable of decency or 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 uh uh, civility, uh, no matter what the situation is. Uh, but I think it's going to be a lot more awkward for him and and likely to be, uh, you know, the more chaos he creates in that setting, um, I think it's going to be even more distasteful and hurt him even more. Anything really st- like stick in your mind about something that people are going to remember from this or what you're going to remember? No, just that it was the craziest debate anybody's ever seen. And, you know, a one man circus show. Uh uh, with with uh, Chris Wallace and, and Joe Biden playing bit parts uh, 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 while while Trump uh, did his usual dominating, chaotic, divisive, angry fit. Um, so I think that's it. But I mean, I think the one thing I would have um, hoped that Biden would do uh, it going forward is I, you know, I would just love for him to have turned to Trump at some point in that debate and just said, Man, get a hold of yourself. The entire world is watching you right now. Get a grip. Stop embarrassing yourself 
this way. You know, right. I mean, just really come at him, not on a shut up, man, which I, I thought was, fu- you know, fine. But I think more, you know, come on, you're the leader of the free world. Get a grip. You know, the, there are people in other countries watching this right now, and it's embarrassing. I think there was more of that possible uh, that I would have liked to have seen out of Biden. Um, and that kind of put down, I think, might have been more effective than the, you know, shut up, man. Yeah. Uh, although who can blame? I mean, you know, you did everybody. Everybody was screaming at the TV. Shut up, man. So uh, no surprises there. So it, it kind of almost seemed like Trump kind of saved Biden in a lot of ways by doing what he did, because you, you're right. Biden did not bring his A game to that debate. No, uh, uh, I think the the interesting thing was I thought Biden actually got stronger the longer the debate went on, uh, and and that that's important because everybody I think people were worried that you know would would he get uh, again because of all the 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 Trump disinformation attacks you know would he would he uh, run out of energy and that kind of thing I don't think that was it at all I think it was just the constant interrupting. Um, that would take anybody off their, you know, having their their uh, best answers. Uh, but uh, in the end, yeah, uh, Joe Biden could have done a lot better. Um, but I think no, that's the thing. You're right. Trump helped Biden because no one is really looking um, at whether, you know, this Biden answer could have been crisper. Did he, was, did he get a fact wrong here? Instead, it's, you know, it's Donald Trump um, just you know, red hot chaos uh, for 88 minutes is about the only thing anybody can remember from it, from that debate. And I don't think in the end, anybody was really surprised by it, uh, appalled by it, maybe, but not surprised by it. So, Joe, last thing on the debate and, and kind of the overall strategy kind of seems like he's starting to feel like he knows he's losing, right? Oh, no, he definitely knows he's losing. Uh, they all do. I mean, I, Mitch McConnell knows they're going to lose. Uh, uh, Trump definitely knows he's going to lose. Uh uh, that's why he's playing up that the entire uh, thing about the mail ballots not being, you know, you know, being fraudulent about uh, it, how he answered the question on whether he would uh, there'd be a peaceful transition. All this stuff is about him, uh, uh, him knowing that he's going to lose this thing uh, and he's still trying going to try to hold on to it um, any way he can. Um, and McConnell knows that. I mean, look, that's the reason. They're rushing the SCOTUS pick uh, so fast. If they knew, um, it, you know, if if they were thought they were going to win uh, the presidency in the Senate, um, they wouldn't. It wouldn't matter. But they they are not going to. They know that's not going to happen. So they're going to force that vote before the election. And that's the only reason to force it before the election is that the president's not going to win, and neither are they. And because of that, they're not going to risk waiting till after the election, even the lame duck, even when they'd still have the majority because of the political pressure on all of them. So they're going to do it now. Um, and I think the way he he went into that debate, it was it was uh, I'm going down and I'm taking all of you with me. Um, and that's uh, that's where Trump, Donald Trump is. Unfortunately, we have a president of the United States who. Yep, that's that's exactly what he's going to do or try to do if he has to. Joe, one thing that popped up during the debate 
among many, many other things. Uh, Trump really seemed to try to get as much as much of a hit on and voting by mail as possible, discredit it as much as possible. And it's probably because he's getting his butt kicked there early on. The latest election data from battleground states shows more Democrats are taking advantage of mail-in voting than Republicans. A record number of people are expected to vote by mail this year due to the pandemic. And when it comes to absentee ballot requests, Democrats are outpacing Republicans in Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Florida. As of this morning, two million people have already voted. That's almost 10 times more people than have voted uh, at this point in 2016. So it's now October and two million ballots have already been cast in this election. Wisconsin, something like 12% of the 2016 vote has already voted. Virginia, it's over 10%. North Carolina, it's pretty high too. What do you make of these early totals, Joe? Uh, Look, I think we're seeing intensity, uh, definitely uh, more intensity on the Democratic side. And I think that's happened. Uh, I've noticed an increase in it the last 10 days or so. And uh, you look at sort of the polling, you look at uh, some of the data analytics, uh, there's suddenly there's always been, you know, uh, people in both parties that are pretty intense and, and, and focused on voting. But there seems to be and has been a not just uh, in these in these mail in ballots numbers that you're talking about, but, you know, in the polling data and in um, the analytics about sentiment and where people are, there's a growing intensity on the Democratic side. It's, it's it, it, sentiments moving in favor and more energetic for Biden and Democratic Senate candidates, and diminishing um, with Republic with with Trump, the GOP, and Republican Senate candidates. Uh, it, and and it's happened mostly over the last ten days. There's been a, a shift, and I. I I don't know if it started. It seems to me it started with the suckers and losers um, tape uh, of Trump from uh, from Woodward, and then you have the you know the tax returns, um, uh, the seven hundred and fifty dollars in taxes. Uh, there seems to be. I, I think there's two things going on. One is that um, with Republicans, they're actually. Um, declining in energy. At the same time, the the Republicans race to uh, fill uh, RBG's seat, a vacancy, uh, is it is energizing or putting more focus on why I want to vote early or why I want to vote uh, uh, more motivation on the Democratic side and for Biden. So I think these two things are happening at one time where where the Republicans are starting to look at some of these things that they're hearing about Trump and they're hearing them in his own voice now too, which I think is really important. It's different than you know the media attacks and those kinds of things or Democrats attacking. He's said these things. But I think that um, what's happening is you've got both this down word shift happening with Republicans and their energy at the same time, this this upward shift in energy and motivation with Democrats, something we thought I I know when we first heard the news of uh, of uh, Justice Ginsburg passing away uh, as tragic and and just his, you know, historic figure in our country uh, to to uh, open a vacancy that there was a lot of concern, wow, this is really going to energize um, the right. Um, 
and the opposite's going on. Not it, it, why are they losing steam? And by the way, if they do rush it and pass a, a, a field of vacancy prior to the election, it seems to me there's going to be even less energy, less reason for some of these Republicans who really do have problems with Trump to just say, okay, we got our other justice, let's stay home. It, it's clear that the fundraising, you know, similarly matches that turnout. Um, yeah, I saw something that said that Biden raised something like t- over $20 million right after the debate, like $4 million bucks the hour after. Um, and it's clear that's starting to kind of trickle into the spending too. Yeah, well, look, that's happening uh, not just in the Biden race, but in Senate races around the country. You're seeing far more energy, far more money flowing into Biden and Senate candidates and House candidates on the Democratic side. And Republicans are really struggling. Again, you know, pointing to, to, to how badly outspent uh, Trump has been in a lot of the key states uh, by the Biden effort. And, and even more uh, money's coming into Biden right now. And again, that's happening. We're seeing that in Senate races around the country. Uh, I mean, even Al Gross in, in uh, Alaska is racing. Yeah. Great ad, yeah, by the way. He's got a great ad. Yeah. Uh, uh, was on with Dan Pfeiffer about that. And and he has uh, talked about that ad. But, you know, he's raised $3 million. That was the last time we all checked. I don't know what he's raised since, but it, it, I think that so you have this added energy, added momentum with a spending advantage on top of it while there's declining energy, declining momentum, and and your money's starting to, to, to dry up. That's a recipe for, you know, what I've been saying for a while, you know, that this is 1980, not, not, uh, uh, not uh, 2016. When you look at what's going on in the spending uh, in these races right now, look at, the, uh, you know, Biden versus Trump spending. Um, fascinating, but Trump has spent, you know, is being outspent like big in Florida, like 28 million to Trump's 16 million. In Michigan, 11 million, 12 million for, for Biden, 3.7 uh, for, for Trump. You look at, at Pennsylvania, $21 million uh, for, for, for Biden, only $4.6 million uh, spent by Trump. And, and these are states that Trump has to, I mean, yeah, Biden has to win them, but, but Trump has to win them. And Biden's up by nine in Pennsylvania right now in two, the two latest polls, up by five in Ohio. Um, so the, the pie keeps, the states are, are moving away from Trump he, it, it, and the Republicans. Democrats have candidates have more money as, as Biden does. And um, I think you're going to see a lot more of these Senate races uh, come online. I think it's not just Alaska. I think, you know, I, I saw uh, Mike Espy is in a, a, a surprise, showing surprising strength uh, in Mississippi. Um, Osef, both, both Georgia, Georgia seats, seats are yeah. coming into play. Um uh, you know, people are dead wrong about Alabama and Doug Jones. Uh, so, uh, I, you know, I think it's starting to be expand the map time um, for Democrats, uh, for the DSCC and others. It's like it's not just the four or five seats that they may be focused on. There are four or five other seats out there that uh, if people start want to expand the map, you start giving to those those candidates. Uh, it, Kansas, Kansas 
Yeah. 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 Three yeah. points yeah. right the now. The Democrat yeah. is is in a literally a virtual dead heat in Kansas, a state that hasn't elected a Democrat to the Senate, I think in 100 years. You might have to fact check me on that. Uh, we'll put it on the show notes. But I think it's been 100 years since a Democrat's been. Now, hey, Alabama, Alabama elected the first Democratic senator in 25 years with Doug Jones. It, we're on the ver- if we're on the verge of electing the first Democratic senator in Kansas in a, a, a hundred years, um, Barbara Bollier, folks, you know, let's expand the map. You know, Alabama, Kansas, there's a lot of places. I know people have been helpful in Alabama, so I don't mean, but we can, we can really expand the map with SB and other and the Georgia seats. There's three or four or five seats out there that if they we pull them in, um, and we hold Alabama, it's going to be huge. So, Joe, you talked earlier about Trump potentially fading fast here. You keep mentioning 1980, obviously. Well, let me ask it this way. What if we do see 1980? What if we do see a massive Biden and Democratic victory? What happens next? Oh, I, look, we're we're headed for, uh, I've always believed this year was going to, what was going to be 1980, and also that it would be a, a realignment uh, of the electorate. And you're seeing that, uh, you know, happening in real time, uh, right now. Uh, you know, you, you see how badly Trump is doing with, uh, college educated whites. Uh, I mean, just getting destroyed there. Um, and that's a whole group of people that are leaving that he's forced out of the Republican party. He's even now starting to lose, um, whites, you know, some college, -college high school, uh, some college whites are starting to bleed away uh, because um, the Republican Party, the Trump Party is no longer their party. Well, what's what's difficult for lots of these people to get over is, well, if I was a Republican my whole life and if the Trump Party is no longer my party, what what do I what do I do? Well, you know, Tom Ridge, uh, uh, Mark Roska from uh, uh, Montana today uh, or yesterday uh, came out uh, for Biden. Um, you're starting to see, yeah, in this election, many of them will vote for Biden and come over. But the the question is, how? Where do they go from here? I don't. Donald Trump, and I've said this before, he's not going anywhere, folks. And I don't mean that he's not leaving the White House. He will leave the White House if they have to drag him out. Um, and they'll probably have to. But but no, he's not going to leave the body politic alone. No, he will be out there doing rallies all over the country and having his cult followers, you know, show up at those rallies and endorsing 2022 Republican candidates over rhinos and um uh, anybody who was a traitor or betrayed him, and um, and he will be leave. He will not leave the party alone. He is going just like he in the debate. I'm going down. I'm taking you with me. If he's going to go down and take the Republican Party with him, oh, what do the, the Republicans who can no longer handle his chaos do? Well, they either have to join the Democratic Party or start a new party. And if they start a new party, then you've got, you know, kind of, you might as well probably join the Democratic Party because uh, uh, you, you can't be splitting the, the Trump vote and the 
the moderate Republicans vote in a separate party and, and winning very, very much. So I think I think either I don't know how that's going to turn out, but I don't think there's going to be that the Republican Party is going um, to suddenly be come all together again and be unified uh, in the 2022-2024 election. Hell, if he loses, he's crazy enough. He may run in, in four years uh, to, to, to avenge his defeat. Uh, this is this is not this is not don't yeah, don't no, do no. that to me man he, do not don't do that no, to all no, of us no not me him he he is totally capable of doing that to all of us so I think that um, this is you, you know when you see all these these suburban women that are shifting and voting for Biden this year what do they do if he still got his imprint you know if it's still the only way you can win. A primary in the Republican Party is to be more like Trump. Um, so the Trump wing is winning these primaries. Where do those women go? And you know, you know, when their candidate, when their moderate Republican uh, or sane uh, candidate loses, uh, and so it, you can see it already that the different pieces of the Republican coalition fracturing here, um, and I think. It's going to be very hard. It, it, I think somebody like a Romney or, might have been able to pull it together if Trump would just disappear after his presidency. Um, but that's not going to happen. Trump's not capable of well, that. We we talked about this a lot with Stuart Stevens a couple yeah. of weeks ago, and you know we talked a little bit about the autopsy that uh, Rents Priebus did. But you know, basically, he everything they said that they were doing wrong, Trump just went with it and and. Obviously, one coasted off it and won. Are we? Are you sure that the Republicans don't wake up and decide to go even further right on this? No, they might. They might. They might do that. This is, this is a, a, a you know. It, but if they do, that's what I'm saying. Then they drive more of the moderate folks out, uh, business Republicans out, um, uh, college educated out, more younger Republicans. We're seeing them. Uh, many of them are voting for for Biden right now. Um, it, you just sort of speed that that shift and realignment up. Uh, and again, I'm not saying they all become permanent Democrats, but I'm saying maybe they just become true independents then and actually swing between the two parties, depending on what's going on. But we're we're witnessing uh, and in the middle of an historic uh, realignment election, I think, by the time this is all over. Well, let's look at it from the other side for a second, too, because the last couple of years, obviously, with Bernie Sanders coming close twice, Elizabeth Warren really kind of making a splash. I mean, hell, even Andrew Yang. Uh, it, it, sometimes it feels like the Democrats are pretty close to realignment, too. Uh, where do you see that going? Basically, what happens here is parties tend to stay intact when you have the president. And by the way, you're seeing this in the Republican Party, right? There's a reason none of those senators have the guts to go out and call him out. Um, he has real power um, and he can hold his party together, at least the part, you know, doesn't mean some voters are going to bleed off, but he has control of that party. I mean, hell, they don't even have a platform. The platform was whatever Trump says. OK, so when you're the president, when you have a party that has the president, you it's those kind of fights get massed. They, they kind of like are underneath the surface, but they're not really out. They're not really impacting elections so much. Um, what happens when you don't have the presidency 
is then you have these big fights about what direction our party is going to take. Is it going to be Bernie Sanders? Is it going to be Yang? Is it going to be or it's going to be no more of the same Biden? And he's he. Oh, my God, please, Jan, I'm going to be bored if we have to do that again. OK, fine. And you have that fight and then you either lose the presidency and everybody says, see, I told you we shouldn't have nominated her. She was more of the same. Nobody wanted that. I mean, how, whatever the fight was uh, and the part and you're you're ticked because uh, the the president that you were running against won because they didn't that status quo wing didn't listen to you. Right. All we've seen this. I've seen this movie a zillion times. OK, I'm sorry. But. So what's happening now is, yeah, we've got um, uh, things within the party, but uh, with the presidency, with with sane cabinet members, uh, it's going to Biden's going to be the uh, able to pull the uh, hold the party together. The thing that's different with Biden, and why I think he was smart never to talk about a, being a one termer, is because if he signals that at any point then all holy hell's going to break out in the Democratic Party, right? If, if two years in, hey, I'm not running two years from now, um, then you got Kamala. You have all these different people suddenly going like, wait a minute. OK, uh, no more kumbaya. I want to make sure I leave my mark. So I think you're not likely to see that. I think the look, what's likelier to happen here is I really think there's a slow erosion going on right now with with the Trump vote. Um, and so, you know, and I've been through that, too. I was uh, I was with Walter Mondale in 1984. Uh, we lost as 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 more states, the polling started to show us not competitive in Florida, in Ohio, in Pennsylvania. And I remember I was supposed to be going to Illinois because there was no way our modeling showed there was no way we could win with uh, the presidency without winning Illinois. And then I got a call one day, like three days after I got to Illinois, saying, no, uh, we're moving you to California because our modeling now shows that there's no way Walter Mondale can win unless he wins California. And I'm going, wait, you're going to make me the California state director and we're running against Ronald Reagan, the former governor of California, and I got to beat him here for us to have a chance. Well, then you just watched every state fall till we won one state. I mean, it was a mess. It just started to fall. So is if if what we're seeing is real, that 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 Biden is actually ahead by five in, in Ohio. And, and let's say that grows a little if he's ahead in Pennsylvania by nine or 10, if he's showing that he's way ahead in, in Michigan and starts to pull away in, in Wisconsin, even starts to build a three or four or five point lead in Florida. It, this starts it starts to become a cascading thing. The money continues to dry up. Um, the energy level continues to decline. And I also think, look, the one thing I've said this all year, at, you know, I've, I've told everybody, look, stop looking at 2016. Stop chasing the ghosts of 2016. This is more like 1980. And but the one thing I can absolutely tell you is I don't care how big our leads are in any of these places. The Democratic Party is so freaked out by the ghost of 2016. That, oh, yeah, it could be 15. The, yeah. Yeah, the, the voters are going, our voters are going to vote. In other words, like they're never, there's not a big enough lead where, we'll, where, where the average Democratic voter will sit back and go, okay, I don't have to vote today because he can't lose. No, not after 2016. They, on the other hand, if they start to think that their invincible 
strong uh, bully is a loser. Oh man, right, they're gone. Oh man, they're gone. That could be, uh, and, and that's what I think could happen here in the last I mean, uh, thirty days. You brought up a good point on voter intensity there. That is not something I've seen in a lot of national polls or report on well. But I mean, you and I are seeing it basically everywhere we're working this cycle. The Democratic intensity is like off the chart, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. And that is where all our voters are this cycle. And Republicans have a lot of 5 out of 10, 6 out of 10. uh, I mean, on a scale of 0 to 10 uh, for intensity. And we're seeing it in real, you know, actually play out with ballots now. Um, and I don't see anything that's going to, in fact, if you couldn't handle one more minute of the chaos of Donald Trump in that debate, and you're asking yourself, and that's the question here in the next 25, 30 days, do people say, no, I, I, you know, when asked, do you want four more years of that chaos? And I think the the American people are going to say, hell no. So Joe, we had a pretty good listener question this week from B27. Yeah, there's an exclamation. There's an exclamation mark in this commenter's name. B27. Okay. And he's he or she is very excited about it. So the question is this. Seeing where we are as a country, how did we miss that we could get here? Oh, man. It's always been there. Uh, uh, I think uh, it's just that it hasn't ever been this pronounced because we never had a leader that uh, wanted to do everything he could to ignite the division in the country. Uh, Most of our leaders over time, uh, regardless of what party, uh, understood the importance of, you know, that that we have disagreements, but we've got to we've got to face our challenges together. And and frankly, as a nation, we always have. Uh, And then but these divisions have always been there underneath the surface. It's interesting. I think that like when you look at the the Republican Party and their their forensic look back at the 2000s, uh, you know, 2008 and um, and came back with their report about uh, reaching out and diversifying the party as a whole back then realized that these divisions existed. But I also think realized that they couldn't they couldn't ex- continue as a party, couldn't exist, couldn't succeed as a party by by feeding those divisions, by fueling them, by pushing everybody further apart, that they wouldn't end up uh, with a majority, with the ability to reach a majority if they continued to do that. And so I think they did see a real need to pull together uh, and to try to diversify much in the in the not in the way of Pete Wilson in California. We talked about that, too, in a past podcast did uh, where he really went after a lot of, you know, tough on immigration, split people, divided families, all that kind of stuff um, versus George Bush. in when he was governor of Texas, which is a much different flavor, compassionate conservatism flavor of the party. You would have thought that's where they would have gone. And whether you or I agree with it, or Democrats or progressives agree with uh, with it or not, that's what that was a direction the Republican Party could have gone in. Instead, they nominated Donald Trump, who looked at all those divisions and said, "I can stoke them to my advantage, and I can win." While the rest of us wanted to believe, no, no one could do that. You can, our country, that's not that. We're, no one could do that. Not, not there aren't enough of us. But there were enough, 
uh, and enough campaign mistakes and other things uh, to allow him to actually enter the White House. And I think it will go down as uh, a real stain on um, this country that we allowed uh, a man like Donald Trump to be uh, be our, our president. I think that's why, um, uh, and maybe I'm the one who's still being naive, I don't think so, but that's why I think on November 3rd, it's not gonna be just Donald Trump losing by a few points. I think it's, look, he's stuck around 40 right now. Uh, you know, all the last three or four polls I've seen nationally, just today, yesterday, Biden's at 51. Those undecideds, eight, nine points of undecideds, they're not going to break to to Trump. Even give them half of them. They split in half, five to Biden, five to Trump. You know what that is? That's 55-45. I mean, that's, I mean, I understand there's some third party, but that's 55-45. And let me tell you two things that happened from a campaign manager's position. When, when you have undecideds in a race like this, there's only two things that are going to, and you're the incumbent, there's only two things that are likely to happen. One, the undecideds break to the challenger. That's one thing that could happen. Well, that's not Donald Trump. It's not going to work for him. The only other thing that's likely to happen is they stay home. I can't stand either one of these two guys. I'm staying home. Okay, so if you have 50-40, and everybody stays home, that turns into 55-45. Trump, who's at 40 consistently, he did nothing in that debate to help him out of that situation. He didn't do any real damage to, to Biden. I don't see that dynamic changing. They're, the undecideds are either gonna stay home or split, which means Biden's gonna grow from 50-51, give 50, call it 53-54, whatever. If you, in that environment, that's how, Reagan got 51% of the vote. 12 Democrats lost their Senate seats that night. And I think that's why it's expand the map time. We, we actually, uh, I think, can, if we get enough resources, some of these candidates out there uh, that the National Party hasn't focused on, like Kansas. Uh, I'm not blaming anybody for not having that one on the map, but let, you, know, you can put that on the map. Don't forget Doug Jones, Mike Espy, Osif, the two... Uh, uh, we're not the, the, the two Georgia seats. There are, there are other seats out there that uh, uh, are, I think are in jeopardy on the Republican side that we that we it, we haven't seen. And the last thing I'd say about that debate, part of what's what's the whole problem with us is that we none of us have enough imagination to imagine what Trump is up, what he's capable of. And that's what we saw in the debate was nobody, not not Chris, Chris Wallace couldn't imagine, didn't have an imagination enough to know what this guy was uh, uh, capable of doing in a debate. No one could have prepped Biden because again, we lack the imagination of how far he'll go. So yeah, I think that's still the case on election day and what he's gonna do between now and election day and, um, and what he may try to do to hold, to, you know, to hold on uh, and to not leave uh, with any dignity, but kicking and screaming. And that's why I, the other reason I think this has to be as big as we can possibly make it. Get out and vote. Find three, make a plan to vote. Find three of your friends. Make sure they have a plan to vote. And the other thing I'd say is start talking. This is a good time 
these last 30 days to stop talks, to start talking to some of your Republican friends that you stopped talking to during all this. The ones where you just couldn't handle it anymore. They used to be great friends before Trump came along. And I just, you just think, you, you start, instead of being angry with them, sit down and talk to them about, look, if you and I, we were friends, if you and I can come together and realize for the good of the country, we need to make a change here, then maybe the country can do that. And if we all start having those conversations right now with some of these Republicans out there, yeah, some of it's going to slam the door in our, our face. Don't slam it back. Um, reach out. We got 30 days to bring some of them over and make this as big as possible. Thanks for listening to That Trippy Show. A reminder, if you have a question, there's now two ways to do it. You can submit it on iTunes in the review section. That helps us, by the way, uh, get more attention because while you're there, if you rate us with five stars, that's our preferred way to get the questions because we need more of those so people can find us. On the other hand, there's a second way. It's to email us at Alex. <laughs> that trippy show at gmail.com. Damn, he's sharp. That trippy show at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and see you next Friday. <laughs>